Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. love your mercy and your grace before you see it put one hand in the air wave across the building to someone let them know that you're here and you're so glad that they are here with you um, as well this morning and uh, we're so thankful that you're here listen I gotta say um, man it is good to be home my uh, I got a text this morning it was nice I got a text this morning it said hey pastor we just want to say we've missed you and we're so glad that you're home. I walked through the doors, and the next person I saw, someone goes, oh, it's you again? And I was like, wow. I was like, build me up, cut me down. I mean, like, hey, we miss you. It's like, oh, it's you again. Um, we are so thankful uh, for the opportunity to get away. We went to uh, Clinton, Oklahoma, and was able to minister to a church of some sweet friends of ours and uh, had a great time. And so we want to say thank you once again to our, our staff, our leadership team, for all those who just stepped up and made it possible for Pastor James who delivered an on-time word and, and I'm so thankful uh, that we have a pastoral team that's able to step up and fulfill the pulpit and do a great job of delivering God's word in a, in a, in a timely season. Um, how many of you guys know I've been to church on many occasions and I've walked into church, sat down in church and heard someone preach and I was like... Man, it just didn't do anything, and then I walked into church, and I sat down, and it was like, wow, that was timely. It hit every aspect of my life. And man, I needed that more than anything, and I'm so thankful um, that God gives pastors, ministers, an on-time word for the church in the season that we're in and the things that we're going through, and so I am thankful uh, for what God is doing within us. I'm so excited. Listen, we are starting a new series for the month of May. How many of you guys know that next Sunday... Is Mother's Day. Yes, it's Mother's Day. We want to celebrate all of our mothers. And so we have a special guest uh, that will be speaking next, I mean, next week. It's my lovely wife. Um, she will be speaking on Mother's Day, and we're excited about that. She loves uh, to deliver on Mother's Day, and I'm excited uh, to hear her words. She's been preparing and studying, and uh, I know that God has an on-time word through her for our moms, our mothers, and uh, for our congregation as well. But this series, this month... We're starting a series called Missions. Now, um, if you know anything about me, you will know that I am really about missions. Now, you'll really get to know me as we get through this series that my focus has always been home. Uh, I really feel that when God speaks, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and we'll get through this in a few minutes when we get there, but when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, one of the things that he hones in on is home. Now, I know you're like, oh, you're just playing around our name. No, absolutely not. I know that we're home church, but the truth is, Jesus stretches, stresses to his disciples the fact of taking care of home, where you're at. And so many times, if we're not careful as a church, as a movement, we focus on the foreign mission field. We focus on everything away from us without remembering those right near us. And I will tell you today, I am big about missions. But I am truly big 
about home missions. And I'm excited. Uh, if you can't feel that this morning, I'm excited uh, to start this series on mission. And if you've ever been a part um, at any length of a church, if you've ever per- participated, you attended, already in your mind, you've already painted a picture of what missions look like, right? Um, already you painted this picture of a foreign mission field, a foreign country where children are starving and there's very little there. Already you painted this picture. I just said the word missions and your mind painted this picture of this foreign country, these children that are starving and they have very, very little. And all of a sudden your picture perhaps begins to paint this American family, American family who gives up everything to find themselves in this foreign country where they're starving children and there's little. And this American family tends to give up everything to go. All of a sudden, in your picture that you're painting in your mind, you find that this family learns the language, learns the culture, and the economy in that country so they can successfully teach and reach with the love of Christ, the people that's there, those natives. And all of a sudden, your mind begins to paint this picture of what missions look like. Maybe because you've been in church or maybe you've not. You've already got this painted picture of this family who learns the language, that learns the culture and the economy just to be able to spread the love of Jesus and to reach them, that natives. And we find that this, perhaps this family can only stay within the mission field because of people who would give. And in your mind, if you've been in church in any length of time, you find that all of a sudden you have this American family who gives up everything, goes to the mission field, and the only way they can stay out there and the only way the gospel of Jesus can be spread if people like you and I will give to the mission field. And that's all true. My wife and I um, have always given to the mission field because we feel like that is our duty, to be able to give to families who give up everything in the comfort of America to go to a foreign country and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that everybody will be able to hear the name of Jesus, the name that changes everything for their life and these families. And I can tell you today, these families are what we call missionaries. These families and these countries are called mission fields. And the support that you and I give are called what we would say our missions offering. And all these things is what in our minds is painted as what missions really, really looks like. And it all depends also of how you were raised in the church that you attended of what that mission field looks like. But missions is much bigger than that. I want you to hear me out this morning. Missions is much bigger than a family giving up everything and going to a foreign country. Missions is much bigger than going to a country with starving children and that has little just to spread the name of Jesus. Mission is much bigger than that. See, mission is a task. It's a specific task with which a person or a group is charged with. It is a pre-established or often self-imposed objective or purpose. For instance, for you and I today, it is our mission, our vision here, to lead people into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ, where they're passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's our objective. That is our purpose, is to lead people into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a calling or vocation. Uh, Perhaps that there are those in this room today that feel like their mission is to be a teacher. That's your calling. Some of you in this room today, you feel like your mission in life is the job in which you're at. It's your vocation. 
A ministry, perhaps, mission is a ministry commissioned by a, a religious organization to propagate its faith or carry on the work or the good news of Jesus Christ. That's mission. That's what missions perhaps is, but it's even much, much bigger than that. See, missions is really the effort that is giving in reaching people with the love of God by introducing them to Jesus so that they would have the opportunity for eternal life. That's missions. Missions can take place 50 feet from your front door. Missions take place at your work site. Missions takes place in your home, Dad. Missions takes place in your home, Mom. The opportunity that you have to share Jesus with somebody else. You see, mission is the effort that is giving to reach people with the love of God. And everywhere you're at, you have the opportunity or you have been commissioned to do so of spreading the good news. You see, the Father's heart this morning has always been to have fellowship or relationship with men. I want you to, to grab a hold of this this morning. It's always been the heart of the Father. Today, we want to be talking about the heart of the Father. Missions, the understanding the heart of the Father. And the Father's heart has always been about a relationship with you and I today. Well, that's the reason why he created Adam and Eve, is for relationship. You and I today, God has always, his heart has always to be, was, is about relationship. And even after we find that the fall of Adam and Eve, and perhaps maybe you don't realize, but since Adam disobeyed God in that garden, it's been God's passion to mend the relationship between us and him. God's heart is to mend relationships. I want you to hear me. God wants to redeem man. That is the mission of God. That's the heart of God. He wants to redeem man, the relationship. And God wants to make provision for man. From the very beginning, even in the garden, when Adam had disobeyed God, we find that God, find, Adam recognizes he's naked. He's like, God's like, who told you you were naked? And he's like, I just recognize I'm naked. And God begins to make provision for re redemption by what? By killing an animal and clothing him. God is all about redeeming man. We find that God looks down on the earth and man, he is, he is angry. Um, the Bible says he repented that he even made man as he looked down and he looked upon the world and he saw the evilness of man's heart. He was like, man, I wish I wouldn't even create it, man. But then all of a sudden God says that he begins to look at Noah and he says, oh, I found a righteous man. And he begins to prepare the redemption of man by, by challenging or commissioning or putting Noah on a mission to build an ark. He was what? Trying to redeem man. That is the heart of the Father from the very beginning was to redeem man and be in relationships. We find that as we read your Bibles in the Old Testament, we find that there was these sacrifices that were to be made. And it was all in order to redeem man. It was all in order to have a relationship. All these things were taking place so that you and I could be redeemed by God. And then we find Jesus, right? The ultimate sacrifice, the, 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 the lame, lamb that came, that was sacrificed for you and I today. And I got to tell you this morning, it was all a part of God orchestrating this plan to redeem man, to give you and I an opportunity to be in relationship with him. And we find that it's the heart of the Father. And can I tell you today that the heart of the Father has not changed? The heart of the Father has not changed. He is still redeeming 
man. It is his heart to redeem man. Now, you and I today, we don't give second chances. We don't give third chances. We don't give fourth chances. We give you one chance. You mess that up, buddy, and that's the way it is. But that is not how the heart of God is. God is all about redeeming man. John chapter 3, verse 17 says it like this, and I love how Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's having this personal relationship conversation with him. And Nicodemus, as you may know, was asking him a question. He was like, hey, how do I get to the heaven? How do I make eternal life? And he was like, you must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand, and so he begins to break it down. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, hey, listen, my father loved you so much that he gave me. That if you would accept me as your personal savior, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. But then he goes on and makes this statement in verse 17 that begins, begins to show you and I the heart of the father again. He said this in verse 17, he said, for God did not send me, Nicodemus. He didn't send his son into this world to condemn the world. But in order, listen to this, in order that the world might be saved through me, Jesus says to Nicodemus. He said, my father loved you so much that he sent me, but he didn't send me to condemn you. He sent me to love you. He sent me to redeem you. It's always been the heart of the father is to redeem relationship with man. That's the mission. That's the mission. This morning, as we look at the missions and the same mission that, that God had with Jesus is the same mission that happens today. It's the same mission. It's the same objective. It's the same per, uh, purpose that was given to Jesus has been given to you and I. It's been passed down. Listen, the same mission that was given to Jesus is the same mission that's been given to you and I today. And I want to take you perhaps on a journey this morning. I want to take you on a journey to see the heart of the Father. So as we begin to look at this, and I want to, I want to set the foundation this morning, uh, I want to give you a good inside look of what's happening in this moment. Now, most of you, if you've been with us for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, during the Easter season, we've said this Easter, we want to give them what we have. Give them what we have. We said we want to, uh, the second series, our second part of that series, we said we want give us Barabbas. The third part of that series of This is Easter, we said uh, simply this morning, uh, and it just went blank on me, I apologize, give us Barabbas and then give me a touch. And we talked about how Doubting Thomas just needed a touch from, from God, just to be able to touch to believe. And then Pastor James gets up on Sunday, last Sunday, and he makes a great transition. And he makes, he says, what do we do now? Easter's over. This is Easter. What do we do now? What now? We are to walk in the Spirit. And he did a great job of bringing a transition. And he said that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, hey, listen, God sent me. My Father sent me. Now I'm sending you. The mission is still the same, to redeem men. That hasn't changed. That will not change. God is still wanting to redeem men. That's the heart of the Father. And that's what missions is about. Now this morning, as we look at this, I want you to know that Jesus has died. Let me set the stage. Jesus has died. He's rose on the third day as he said he would. He's been in Jerusalem for 40 days. Now we, I would love to be able to know exactly how that looked and how all those 40 days played out. But we just know that Jesus was here for 40 days before he sends to the Father. We also know that in those 40 days that Jesus has some encounters or some visitations with his disciples, with people. 
We find that there are some things that Jesus said that I have to believe today that shows the heart of the Father. I think what he was doing, he was trying to encourage these young men to follow through with the mission that God had given him. He said, listen, my Father sent me, now, is, now I'm sending you. And I really believe today this is the heart of the Father. Visit with me. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20 says this. And all of these that we are about to read are the same encounter but from someone else's perspective. So we're going to read it from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we're going to look in the book of Acts to see this same scenario and look how Jesus is trying to encourage the disciples about the mission. Remember, this is the heart of the Father. Missions is the heart of the Father. Redeeming man is the heart of the Father. Here's Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, listen to the words. If you have your Bible in front of me, hard copy, or maybe on your phone as well, you can highlight it. But he says, go. Here's a mission statement. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My hands, my computer has just stopped. Give me a second. This is great. There we go. Teaching them, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. I love technology, but when technology fails you, it's bad. It's bad. Mark chapter 16. Journey with me. Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 14. It says this, and afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves. Now listen, same, same encounter, same story, different perspective. Themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And verse 15 says, and they said to him, go, <laughs> here's this word again, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Verse 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recovery, recover. Now, please stay seated. We're not bringing out any snakes or nor am I going to make you drink any poison today. Verse 19, so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoke them, to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. Where did they go preach? They preached everywhere while the Lord worked through with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Look, look, again, same story, different perspective. Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 47 it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should, be, Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And, the, and that repentance, look at verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. 
And again, if you have your hard Bible, if you're taking notes, I need you to put beginning with Jerusalem. I told you at the beginning that my heart is all about missions, but if you cut it open, you'll find that it begins at home for me. It begins at home. And everything that we've read so far, Jesus is telling his disciples that I want you to go, I want you to teach, I want you to make disciples, I want you to go everywhere, and then we find here from Luke's perspective that he says, I want you to begin in Jerusalem. I want you to look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I even so am sending you. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at Acts, and we're going to end in this in our journey of these scriptures. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 says, in the first book of Othepius, he said, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying, listen to this, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7 says, and he said to them, it is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen to what Jesus is trying to perhaps do to the the disciples at this moment. He's trying to refocus them. Their mind was focused on, hey, are you going to build the kingdom here? And he's like, listen, it's not, it's, that is not for you to have to worry about. Don't get caught up in all of this, am I going to build the kingdom here? It's, it's not, a, those times and seasons are not for you to know. What you should be worried about, listen to verse 8. This is this, you should be worried about redeeming men. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to look at this as Jesus is talking to his disciples because I think that Jesus, God does everything in order. There's a purpose for every word that is said. And Jesus is looking at his disciples and he says this. He says, you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And then he goes, and also in Samaria. And then he says, and to the end of the earth. There is this order that Jesus, I believe, is displaying with his disciples of missions. This is my mission. And throughout this journey, we find this word go. Go into all the world. Go into all the nations. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. And all of these things are in this word go. It is the word that involves movement. When you hear the word go, you automatically, your mind begins to paint this picture of someone in movement. It is an engagement. The word go means to engage. It means to have action. 
Jesus is telling his disciples, is, I don't want you to stay here. I want you to go. There's movement. There's engagement. There's action to be taking place. And although that God tells us to go, he never wants you and I to do just to do. God didn't ask you just to come into this building, just to come into this building so that you could just worship with other believers. There is so much more to the mission than just coming and getting into these four walls and listening to worship and worshiping with each other. There is so much more. There is so much more to the mission that God has given to you and I this morning. God never wants us to do just to do. And God never wants us to go just to go. It is God never wants you and I to be busy just to be busy. There's a reason for what God does. So I love it that when God, when Jesus tells his disciples to go, he didn't just tell them to go. He gave them specific orders. He gave them directions. He said, I want you to go and I want you to what? Make disciples. I want you to go and I want you to teach the gospel. There was this go, I want you to engage, but then there was this purpose, mission, specific task that they were to, to do. There is a mission. There's a goal. There's an objective for all of us. It is to make Jesus known. Did you know that? Everyone this room has a mission. There's missions to be done for you and I today. There's an objective. There's a goal. There's something for you to engage in. There's some action to take place. It is to make Jesus known. It is to make Jesus known. It's to tell the good news. It is to make disciples. It is to continue to bring redemption to mankind. Isn't it awesome that you and I can say to this, hey, listen, just like Jesus said in John 3, 16, God didn't send me to condemn you, but that you might be saved through me. Isn't that an awesome testimony for you and I to say, listen, God didn't send me to condemn you or to judge you. God sent me to share the love of God to you. God has sent me to show you the redemption plan. That's my job. My job is not to condemn you. My job is not to judge you. My job is to show you the redemption plan, and that is Jesus. That is Jesus. And I want you to look at the highlighted. I, I want to look at these areas that I highlighted this morning that I, I just want you to share with you. Because in Mark, we find this word go into all the world. In Matthew, we find this word go. We find the word everywhere. We, we even find that in Mark, we find that Jesus tells his disciples that the reason you are going is for, is for you to declare the repentance for, for forgiveness of sins. Uh, to proclaim the name to all the nations. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples. The word go and the purpose of going. And John, he said, hey, as my father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So now we realize that the mission hasn't stopped. It just continues with you and I today to give the redemption plan. We find that in Acts, we, I love this, and I want you to grab a hold of this this morning because there's something that, you and I can get from this. In Acts, we find that Jesus is talking to disciples and he says, listen, I don't want you to get so caught up in what, if I'm going to build my kingdom here or not. He says, what I really want you to focus on is what the mission is. He said, remember what Pastor James said last Sunday? He said, what now for us to walk in the spirit of God and for us to be successful with the mission, I have to tell you, it's because of the spirit that, that lives inside of you and I. That's the only way we will be successful in the mission that God has given you and I today. And I gotta tell you today that we find 
this statement of going and making Jesus known a little overwhelming today. I, I really do. And Jesus says to this, and I want you to, to look at this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jer- Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to listen to the directions that Jesus gave his disciples. He says, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach, and I want you to teach the gospel. I want you to make disciples. Those are still the mission for you and I today. I want you to begin in Jerusalem. Listen to, listen to the specific order. Jesus gives his disciples. He goes, I want you to begin in Jerusalem. Then I want you to go to Judea. Then I want you to go to Samaria. And then I want you to go to the ends of the earth. And, and I want to break this down. So if you're taking notes, I want you to look at it this way. Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to do missions locally. That's Jerusalem, local. I told you that I am big about missions, but I'm big about home missions. I'm, I'm really big about local missions. Jesus said, I want you to do missions local. I want you to do ministry locally. And then he says, I want you to do it regionally. That's Judea. I want you to now take it to another step. I want you, once you take care of home, I want you to move to Judea. Refocus. Go to Judea. And then he says this, and it's pretty astounding to me. And for those who read your Bible, you may find this astounding as well. Then he says, I want you to go to Samaria. That's pretty interesting. Because Jews didn't have anything to do with Samarias, Samaritans, nothing. There was something about them that they just did not clash. There no connection there. And, and I want you to look at it this way. Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples. And I, want you to, I want you to cross ethnic boundaries. I want you to understand that those that you think doesn't need the gospel, need the gospel too. That's what Samaria represents today. In our lives today, there are those that we've already marked off the list and said, they don't need the gospel. They don't deserve the gospel. They don't deserve second chances. And God says, I want you to go locally. I want you to go regionally. And I want you to even go to the parts that you think, to those people that you think don't need the gospel, don't deserve the gospel, the Samaritans. And then he gives a fourth one. He said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. And then we find that what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples, and you and I today, because the mission continues, is to go globally. Goes to the ends of the earth. This is where world missions come involved now. So we went locally. We've gone regionally. We've gone to the people that everybody else has given up on. And then we go globally. And I really believe that that's what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples, is the mission today is not just be focused on the world missions. You see, I I think that there are churches that are defined that way. There's a lot of churches that just focus on world missions, and that's it. And they're so focused on world missions, they forget the people around about their own local area. And you get caught up in doing everything locally that you forget everybody regionally. And sometimes you get so caught up in one group of people that you miss out on the other group of people. And then forget about the world. And today I will challenge you as your pastor. We will do our very best to follow the guidelines that God has given us. We will go to Jerusalem locally. We will go to Judea regionally. We will take the gospel to Samaria, to the people that no one else wants. To some that people are called outcasts. To those who people have marked off their list. We will go there. We will go there.
And then we'll go to the ends of the earth, which is globally. And, and that's the mission in which God laid out for us today. World missions. It's the heart of the Father. The Father is all about bringing redemption to man. Here's point number one this morning. Pastor James, will you bring me my bottle of water? Oh, I don't need to. I just need one. Awesome. My wife wants to hear me for about another hour, I think. Here's point number one. We are winding down, I promise you today. We only got three points. I just, I just got some water too. Here's point number one. I want you to, when you look at the heart of the Father, you find that the heart of the Father is compassionate for the lost. God is compassionate toward the lost. From the very get-go, God has been compassionate. Remember, that's his heart. His heart is to bring redemption to man. Psalms 86 verse 15 says this, but you, oh Lord, listen to the psalmist. He says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. You are so compassionate this morning. God, today, I have to tell you, I'm so thankful because I am a product of God's compassion. I am a recipient of God's compassion. I am so thankful that God was compassionate with me as a sinner and found me to be worthy of his love. I'm so thankful. I want you to remember today when we look at the heart of the Father, and it is no doubt that his heart was to bring redemption to man. Even when Jesus was on the cross, I think that he displays the heart of the Father when he looks over and he says this very loud. The Bible says he cries out and he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know what? Jesus was displaying the heart of the Father. He was displaying compassion to the people. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, I believe that Jesus was displaying the heart of his Father and that was compassion. I want you to look and I'm going to tell a story real quickly of Genesis chapter 16 verse 13. We find the story of Hagar. Some of you may know the story, some of you may not, so let me just briefly update you because I want you to see a story of a woman who felt so overwhelmed with life. She did not feel God's compassion. She felt overlooked. She felt like she was never seen. She felt like no, that she was always overlooked and, and she was maybe perhaps in the back of the scene and, and nobody, nobody recognized her. Hagar was a, was a maid to Sarai and Abram, a, Abram. And we know that God promised Abram and Sarai a child. And they got impatient, just like you and I do, right? We're like, oh, God, you told me this. We've got to make this happen. We've got we to make this happen. We don't rely on God to make it happen. We try to make it happen, and we make a big, big mess. And that's what Abraham did. Abram and Sarai tried to play God. They, they tried to make what God said happen. They try to play that. And what's, here's what's so cr crazy about it, is that they make a decision to use the maid servant to bring in a child that they felt like was God's plan. And then Sarai's upset. She's like, when she finds out that she's pregnant, she's like, oh, I am so mad. I don't even like Hagar. Why? Why? And she gave Hagar so much problems that Hagar runs for her life. 
she runs away. She's like, I can't have it anymore. I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the stress. I didn't even ask for this. I want you to look at me real quickly. She didn't ask for this. This wasn't her asking. This wasn't her doing. But now she has to bear it. And the Bible says that she finds herself a ways away from camp. And all of a sudden, God speaks to her. And in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, we find God speaking. And, and she makes this statement. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And some of you in this room today, you have felt overlooked. You felt like in the midst of this world where you have made your choices. Of course you've made your choices. And of course you're living with those consequences. But in that midst, you find, you feel that you're just being overlooked by God, that God doesn't see you. And I got to tell you, and I'm going to encourage you this morning, because we find a story with Hagar saying, I have just met with a God who sees and looks after me. He sees me. He's compassionate about me. In that moment, Hagar felt the compassion of God. And this morning, I think you too can feel the compassion of God right where you are. God said, this is my mission my mission is to show compassion to the lost. I want to bring redemption between men and me. And to do that, I want to show compassion today. I want you to understand today that that is the heart of the Father is to have compassion. And if for you and I, we must have the heart of the Father too. That means that we would have to be compassionate to the sinner as well, to the lost. And so many times we have no compassion with them. I think what happens is that we forgot we, we used to be there too. That we walked those streets. We were stepping in those, shoes, those steps as well. We forgot we walked down that same road. We forgot we made those same decisions. And we find ourselves putting ourselves way higher than we should. And looking down on the people that we love the most and that we care about. And God help us to find ourselves in a position that we will find the ability to have compassion on the lost, just like God has compassion on the lost as well. He's compassionate. He loves them no matter the decisions that they have made, the choices that they made, or the mess that they are in today. He's compassion, compassionate to them. I want to share something with you. When I want you to know as pastor, I would probably make decisions that you will not be okay with. You're like, really? Absolutely. Because well, you know what? I don't care who comes through those doors. They will always be welcomed. I want you to hear me out today. I don't care who walks through those doors. I don't care if you know them or if they've done you wrong. They're always welcomed in those doors. And I think that every one of us in this room have, to have the heart of compassion toward those who are lost. And we will reach out. And I will tell you this. Today, I don't want someone to sit in our services for months and months and months and live in a lifestyle of sin and never feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What I want is people to come into the house of the Lord and hear the word preach, the music play, and the worship and be convicted of the life that they're living and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner in need of grace. Thank you for being compassionate about me. Thank you for having compassion on me. And I will tell you that sometimes 
I won't say that's my fault. I think that that's a, actually a, a great gift that God has given me to be able to be compassionate to people no matter where they've come from, no matter what lifestyle that they're living. Here's point number two today is that God is patient toward the lost. Not only is he compassionate toward the lost, he is very patient with the lost. This is the heart of the Father. The Father's heart is to bring redemption between man and God and he is patient with it. Look at this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Remember, the heart of the Father is to bring redemption to man in him, to bring redemption, to build relationship. And he's patient. And I'm thankful today that God's been patient with you, and I'm thankful that God has been patient with me. But if we're going to have the heart of the Father as well, and we're going to carry on the mission, that means that we would have to be patient with sinners too. We have to be patient with the lost. Now I know, I, listen, my pastor would say something like this. He said that his mother-in-law would tell him, he said, Fred, if, if they will get, be, be saved as long as you are, they'll be good, just as good as you are. What he would say is that sometimes, and it does, sanctification process takes time. Change takes time. And if they have been saved and serving Jesus just as long as you have, they will be good, just as good as you are. We have to be patient with people. I love that we give the opportunity for people to come in to church to experience worship, to love God, to get to know God, even when they're in their lifestyle that they're in. Pastor James says this statement, and I love it. He said it last week as well. He says sometimes they have to feel that they belong before they ever believe. And I love that. I heard that as I was driving back from Clinton and it just hit me because I was like, wow, how awesome. What a statement of being patient with somebody. That sometimes they just gotta feel like they belong before they ever believe. And so many times as churches, we want them to believe before they belong. Hey, we want you to fit in this category. We want you to believe our doctrine. We want you to accept this and do this. And, and then you can come and be a part of our group because we're a club. But that's not what we are. We're not a club. We are a church, a body of believers that have come together to fulfill the mission of God. And that is to bring redemption to everybody. Locally, regionally, to those that no one else wants, and globally. That's the mission and that's the reason why you're here today, is to be a part of that mission. Here's point number three. The heart of the Father. He's relentless. <laughs> Aren't you thankful today that God hasn't given up on you? Aren't you thankful that God hasn't given up on the redemption plan for your life and my life, my family's life? God hasn't given up on aunt so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, mom or dad so-and-so. He hasn't given up on your children. He is relentless. And I'm thankful for the heart of the Father to be relentless toward the loss. I look at Peter, and our praise and worship team can come today. I look at Peter's life real quickly, and, and I realize something about Peter. I think Peter's life allows you and I a glimpse of the relentlessness of God. You remember Peter? You know the guy that denied Jesus three times? That guy, that guy that probably didn't deserve a second chance, that guy that didn't deserve patience, that guy that didn't deserve compassion, and that guy that Jesus didn't give up on. 
God was so relentless with Peter. You remember the story? I mean, Mary goes down on that day of resurrection morning, that Sunday, Easter morning. She runs down to the tomb, tomb, and she gets there, and there's no one there. And the angel says, I want you to go back and tell the disciples. And who? Peter. God was so relentless. He was like, Peter, I'm not giving up on you. I know you denied me, but I've been praying for you. I haven't given up. i got to tell someone today that God hasn't given up on your spouse. The redemption plan is not over. He still is reaching your spouse. He still wants to reach your children. He hasn't given up. There's no give up on God. I love it that God will go to the ends of the earth for your children. He said, I'm in hell and you're still there. <laughs> There's nowhere that I can't feel your presence, God. It doesn't matter where I'm at or where I'm at locally or globally or anywhere regionally. Your presence has always been there. And I want to tell someone today, listen, the heart of the Father is to bring redemption to man. And he's relentless about that. He's relentless. God doesn't give up. I, I understand that the redemption plan was fulfilled when Jesus hung on that cross and he died and he rose again on that third day. The redemption plan was done. But every day that goes by, the Bible tells us that Jesus is praying for you and I today. He's interceding for you and I. He's bringing the name of your child to the Father. <laughs> I need you to hear me. He sees where you're at and he's compassionate towards you and he's patient to them that are far off. I'm thankful today. Some of you would say, you know what? When I was growing up, the pastor would say, Jesus is coming and he is, but I'm thankful that he hasn't came yet. I got loved ones that still need Jesus. You got to hear me. I still have loved ones that need to embrace the love of God. I still have loved ones that I'm trying to be patient and compassionate toward. And so do you. We have a whole town filled with people who still need Jesus. And so I'm thankful today that God has been patient with us, with his creation today. I want you to think about this for a moment. Luke chapter 4 makes a statement. Jesus makes a statement that I, I can't shake off because here's what I... I want to leave with you today. If the heart of the Father is to be compassionate toward the lost, if the heart of the Father is to be patient with the lost, and if the heart of the Father is to be relentless toward the lost, you and I should have those same characteristics as well. Compassionate, patient, and relentless. But we are to carry out the mission of God. I want you to look at this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. Jesus says this, and I... He's referring to... Isaiah, but I want you to look at this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want to insert your name. You say, you cannot do that. You can't add to the word. Oh, oh, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, 
I'm sending you. We find that Jesus is with the disciples and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit in their life because they needed the Spirit to do the mission. We find that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So let's add yours. Maybe it would say something that the Spirit of the Lord is upon Kara because he has anointed her to proclaim the good news to the poor. Maybe, just maybe, today it would read like this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon Stevie. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Lance because he's anointed him to proclaim the good news to the poor. I got to tell you today, the same mission that Jesus had and the same anointing that Jesus had to bring the good news is the same anointing that you have today. And I'm thankful today that God says the mission's not over. I still want to redeem man. So I've anointed Denny. I've anointed Billy. I've anointed Brett. I've anointed Theo. I'm not leaving your women out. I'm sorry. I'm just picking on the men. I've anointed them to bring the good news with compassion, with patience, and with relentlessness. Would you stand this morning? Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumsa.com, for more information. Thank you again, and until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.